TCL is a proud sponsor of the 1500 ESPN Studios. TCL, America's fastest-growing TV brand. I can't tell you how much I enjoyed saying touch them all. Way back and gone! Touch them all, Joe Maurer! And now these guys are making it relevant to this year's Twins. Now, our two resident hardball nerds will attempt to touch them all on the week's news surrounding the Twins in MLB. Here's Phil Mackey and Derek Wetmore. Hey, touch them all listeners. It's Derek here. Special guest on this episode, and we'll get to that in a second. I just wanted to address quickly... You may be seeing some of the news start to leak out. I do want to let you all know that we've got some big moves coming at 1500 ESPN on Tuesday this week. I'm recording this intro on Saturday. Long story short, I think if you're a Twins fan, you're going to really like what's coming next. And that's all I'll say for the time being. There will be more to come very soon, I promise. For this episode, I sat down with uh, Darren Mastriani. He actually phoned into the station, and we got an... Update on where he's at. Mastriani now lives in the Twin Cities area, and I asked him about veteran leadership and what a guy like Nelson Cruz could potentially bring to the Twins. He also had some good stories on Paul Molitor and Ron Gardenhire and explained why Jamie Carroll and Justin Morneau were very helpful along the way in his career. I hope you guys enjoy this episode. If you do like things like this, just let me know, either on my Facebook page, Derek Wetmore MLB, or on my Twitter account, at Derek Wetmore. Just Send me a note if you like it. If you don't like it, I kind of want to know. We're going to be playing around with this podcast going forward and uh, giving the listeners what they want. So stay tuned for those big announcements this week, and we'll talk to you next time. People talk about Molitor being that sort of baseball savant, having that eye for when everybody knows you're going, how you still find that edge. Um, I definitely want to ask you about Ron Gardenhire, but I, I'd be remiss if I didn't touch on that point with Molitor. Uh, was, was there any experience that you had with that, that that sort of seeing the game on another level? Uh, yeah, I mean, countless, to be honest with you. I only played for Paul uh, for part of 2016 as a direct manager. Um, and I, there's one story I, I vividly remember. We were sitting in the, uh, in the video room, and we were watching the closer because I used to spend a lot of time watching the late-inning guys. Um, cause typically, if I was going to go in a pinch run and try and steal a base, it was against them, so I needed to have as much information on them as possible. And I remember Paul was sitting next to me, and he's kind of looking at the monitor, and he's writing stuff down. And, and I'm like, I look over, I said, Paul, what do, what do you see? And he sits there, and he's showing me something. And, and for, for five minutes, he's trying to show me what he can see. I couldn't for the life of me see what he was talking about, but he saw it. And he was just unbelievable at, at picking up tips and little things that pitchers did, whether it was the way they put their head down before the pitch or the way they – moved their foot against the, the rubber and it was he was really incredible of some of the things that he could pick up that were that were far beyond even things that I could find and first time too that's what I always kind of recognized out of him it wasn't he saw this guy a hundred times and picked it up yeah. it was he might see it after one or two takes <laughs> and then that's that's what made him very different I mean I could sit in there and watch film for an hour and finally figure the guy out but it would be you know I'm watching it in slow motion he would watch it live during on the field and see it. And after two pitches, turn to me or or some of the other guys who could run and be like, "Come here, come here," and he'd pull you aside and he'd be pointing <laughs> out. And you're like, "What? What do you? What, what? How do you even see that?" And he was just he was special. He was very special when it came to that stuff. That's amazing. That's a that's fantastic insight, Darren, into what what Molitor was like in the dugout. I, I got to ask you though, anyone who played for the Twins in 2002 
until 2014. I got to... have to imagine that there's a Ron Gardenhire story in there somewhere. Do you have a highlight of what, maybe what's your favorite Gardy story? That you were uh, I mean, I think, I think if you asked, as you said, any player that played for him knows there's just, I mean, countless amount, countless. The guy was such a, uh, such a fun spirit, such a fun person to be around. He knew how to make everybody laugh on. He kept everything so loose and, and so jovial. He really was a, uh, he was a special character, um, a special guy for me to have as a manager first breaking into the big leagues because he really knew how to take the pressure off of you um, and kind of relax you. I, I mean, some of these stories probably can't tell on air, but uh, <laughs> one, one, one that I specifically remember was we were in Chicago. I had been up in the big leagues for about a week, and uh, Jamie Carroll was playing second base, and I was sure. playing right field, and we both made a number of mistakes in the field that day. And uh, anyone that knows Jamie knows that that was not like Jamie. Or, or myself defensively, and uh, the next day I remember sitting there with Jamie having lunch and my head down like, oh, this is bad. And he walked up and he made a joke about there being a hex on the right side of the field and like, well, what the heck's going on with the two of you over there? Are you guys, you guys trying to screw us over? Yeah. And uh, just, just kind of made us both, you know, specifically me, really made me laugh and just kind of calmed me down and realized, all right, mistakes happen. If, if a guy who's been playing 10 years and is a defensive wizard can make these mistakes, it's okay if I make you know, one every once in a while, and sure. it was it was that kind of personality that just really loosened the clubhouse. And he was he was really a special special person to be around. Sure. Well, I heard some stories there, maybe not for air, but some some uh, pretty <laughs> funny mound visits that Gardy had over the years. Of the same, I can't ex- imagine exactly what you're talking about, though, Darren. <laughs> of like loosening guys up when you think he's going to come out and chew you out, and he might make a joke that has nothing to do with baseball. Just be like, hey. It's all good, you know, that kind of thing. Absolutely. If, if Gardy got mad at you and chewed you out, you did something really, really <laughs> bad because cause there, he didn't really yell at you. He didn't get mad at you for making physical mistakes. He really did. He, you know, he told you, you know, we got to tighten that up, but he'd make a joke and make you feel loose. It was, he was more, he'd get on you, if you for mostly lack of effort, which sure. with him never really happened because he got the most out of the players. Sure. Yeah. No, it's a, it's a great point. I love that story. Um, that you tell, and, and it brings up an interesting point here too. Um, the current twins that you mentioned, Jamie Carroll. Uh, I remember when he joined the Twins, and it's like big league veteran, steadying presence. I, you wouldn't find somebody to say something negative about Jamie Carroll, the guy, um, or even just professional baseball player. You know, and I use that word uh, with emphasis, the professional part. Um, twin signed Nelson Cruz this off season, Darren, and he's a great hitter, and no one's denying that part of it, but. But he's also been praised for how um, professional he is, how, how prepared he is, and the Twins are hoping that this season some of those work habits, those routines, do wear off on younger players. And I, I want to ask you, is that a real thing that happens in a big league clubhouse, or is that one of those things that we take in the media and gets overblown a little bit, or, or as fans we look at the game and make too much out of it, or, or does that really happen? No, I think it's actually uh, really, really important, and I think it was a great signing by uh, Derek and Dad and the mm-hmm. Twins because uh, they lost they lost a lot of veteran uh, veteran leadership the last year with Brian going over in trades and Joe retiring and, and some of this stuff. And it's, it is really important. Um, it's something that, um, you know, if you don't have that, then you start playing video games here, right, where it's just numbers and stats and throwing yeah. a team together. And clubhouse, the clubhouse is really important. And, and a guy like Nelson Cruz who comes in with that huge smile, he always seems to be having fun. Um, I mean, to be able to play the game at this level at 38 years old, you've got to be doing something more than just playing, right? Yeah. Like you've got to bring something else to the table because, uh, or else he wouldn't, he wouldn't even want to keep doing this sure. and have this much success. 
Um, and I think what he's going to bring, outside of the fact that he's a phenomenal hitter, I mean, there's no question, uh, 30, and for him to be hitting that 37 homers at 37, 38 years old was pretty, 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 pretty amazing. Yeah. Um, he's going to bring a level of work ethic, a level of attitude that it's just new and something that I think is really important, especially with these younger guys, because I, I wouldn't say the Twins are rebuilding because they're still going to be extremely competitive, and I still believe have a very strong chance of winning the Central with one or two more pieces to the puzzle this year. Yeah. But he's going to help these younger guys kind of understand the work ethic that it takes. And, you know, to have a guy who's 38 that can still play at this level, he clearly has a very strong work ethic yeah. and a very, he's very good at keeping his body in shape and, and having fun. And that's going to rub off in a very big way for, these, for the younger group of guys over there. That's awesome. What, in your experience, Darren, who were some of the guys that did that? I know you mentioned Joe earlier. I'm sure that has to play a part. But are there guys in the Twins clubhouse that you credited with uh, doing exactly what you just spoke uh, so highly of Nelson Cruz? Yeah, um, I mean, there was a bunch. I mean, again, I had Jamie. I was fortunate to sure. go into spring training in 2012, and he was my locker mate, and I that was amazing because, you know, I used to try and beat Jamie to the field every morning, and I couldn't. The guy was always <laughs> there before me. I'd get there at 530, and somehow he would beat me there. Sure. Uh, but um, one guy that was kind of, you know, obviously Joe was such a huge impact to me, but one guy who was really kind of unique was was actually Justin Morneau. And, and oh. I say unique because obviously Justin was, you know, the former MVP in this, and so many great accolades and such a great player, but yeah. he actually taught me how to be a, a role player. I had never really been a role player in the minor leagues. I always played every day. Okay. Um, I knew when I came in, I was going to be playing center and leading off um, yeah. and getting to the big league and never, not really knowing when I was going to play, not knowing what position I was going to play, how to keep my body in shape to play two, three times a week instead of seven times a week was new to me. And believe it or not, Justin was the one that was able to kind of help guide me into that and, and help me, transition into that role even though he's never had to play that role he was sure. always an everyday guy but he was uh, such a huge impact in my career that year um just teaching me how to, to handle my body and, and handle some of the pressures and, and prepare for for some of the stuff that i was going to see in, in the major leagues that's that's fascinating what what's that conversation like whether it's with justin or shoot guardy or who whoever it is at some point along the way you just touched on it i mean you know starring in college and then you're uh, you know, a, a mid-round draft pick who, by the way, made it to the big leagues, outperform a lot of people taking a heady in the draft. But what's that? What's that sort of next level like? They always say single A baseball is the hardest form or the hardest league you've ever played in. Then you get promoted, and double A is just an unfathomable, uh, unfathomable <laughs> new level. And then a new level of triple A, and then of course the biggest jump to the big leagues. What is that ascension like, Darren? For for you as you're you just mentioned it, starting off or leading off, starting in center field every day, one of the better players on every team you're ever on. Uh, what What is that learning curve like to then become that role player you talked about? It was difficult. Uh, I remember when I first got up there, I think I started something like two for 35. Um, and even, you know, later in my career, still still had a hard time with it. Um, when you're not playing every day, and, and again, when you're not playing every day, typically you you're, you get the left-handed. For me, I would get the Chris Sales, the yes. David Prices. Yes. Uh, these guys, and I wouldn't have played for five days, and right. I had to go face Chris Sale. And <laughs> um, that's not easy to do if you play every day, let alone not you know not having seen a live pitch for four days. Sure. But that was my role, and sure. there was no excuse. You know, it, sometimes it wasn't about getting hits. You learn that pretty quickly up there. That it's not about going three for four. Um, and this is something that Justin taught me. Um, when you know if I, I'm out there and I haven't played in a week, and it's not about getting three hits and hitting a homer and stealing five bases. It's about playing really good defense, grinding out at bats, 
you know, if I have to move a runner, any way possible, if I'm not feeling comfortable, get the bunt down. Uh, do it, you really? It was more about the team than yourself in any other aspect because you weren't expected to get three hits, but you were expected to compete and, and, and help the team win. And all of a sudden, once I was able to really buy into that and understand that, all of a sudden the hits started coming. Yeah, the production came, and, and a lot of the pressure eased off. But you know, it's one thing to start facing big league pitching for the first time in your in your career, and then another thing to have to face it. Um, you, you, you know, not having played for three or four days, sure. and it was definitely an interesting uh, had to adapt to an interesting way to learn. But it was uh, it was pretty amazing, and I was fortunate to have a lot of help and a lot of guys around me to support me and kind of help me transition into it. Yeah, or or I'm taking this to the next level too of going on uh, Monday against Chris Sale. Whoa, woof, that's tough. How about coming in the seventh inning to steal a key base, score a run to tie the game, come back up around against the filthiest closer you've seen all week, and that's your one at bat for the for the day. That's got to be tough. Yeah, too. and that that uh, unfortunately for me happened quite a few times because <laughs> oh, man. You know, my in my year in twelve we we didn't have a very deep bench. We had to carry the extra pitcher. Yeah. Um. So we only had three player bench for most of the year. It was Drew, Drew Butera, me, and uh, Alexi Casilla, and that was kind of our infield outfield catcher combination right. and so if for some reason i went in to steal a, a base and i was hitting i went to run for domit or uh or josh who I, willingham who i usually went in for mm-hmm. and there wasn't really any other option for me to, to, to pinch it for me later in the game so sure. i wound up getting uh getting some of these guys late late innings that uh was, was pretty intense so but it was it was amazing and some some worked out for the best and some did but sure. uh fortunately for me most of the stolen bases worked out for the best and that was really what I was, you know, was, was there to do. Yeah, yeah. Hey, I'm fascinated by this. Uh, this will be my, my last question for you on, on the field is I'm fascinated by how baseball has changed over the years, how it's sort of evolved, even in, I mean, my short time covering the sport. Uh, is there anything that stands out to you from your start in, in 12 with the Twins to 2016? It just, I mean, that's a fairly brief window, but really when you think about how much the game changed in that time, it's not that brief of a window. What stands out to you about a change in baseball, whether it's on the field or, or how you prepare for it behind the scenes or anything like that jump out to you? Yeah, I mean, I think the, the biggest thing that we all have heard these discussions for the last couple of years and it's just intensified that, you know, year in and year out is these, these shifts that happen on the field and yeah. how much they're impacting the players. Yeah. Um, I think it's it's been crazy. I remember 2012, you started to see some of it, you know, it was kind of leaking into some of the some of the bigger name guys, um, and now you go out there and you look, and a guy gets called up and he's been up for two weeks and they got a shift on him. It's <laughs> it's pretty it's pretty amazing. Uh, yeah. And, and again, you know, the concept of well, just hit it where they're not. That's not very realistic. You know, sure. uh, these pitchers are uh, have learned to pitch to to where they want you to hit the ball, and if they're going to shift the whole defense on the pull side, the guy's going to throw fastballs in. You can't really hit that to the other way when the guy's throwing 97 and sinking. So, um, yeah, exactly. And you've seen it in a lot of these guys' numbers over the year, in the last couple of years. And, and what's pretty amazing is to watch how the hitters have adapted too. Um, you know, as you started to see them not be able to hit for as high of averages, they realized, all right, let's get the ball in the air a little bit. If they're going to pound me in and want me to pull it, let's stop trying to hit the ball. Let's just hit it out of the yard. They can't, they can't catch that no matter where they play. Right. right. So, um, it's been pretty pretty interesting to watch that part of the game, kind of that cat and mouse of 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 some of the analytics and and how the players are adapting to it. And I think it's going to be kind of ever changing, um, and it's going to keep they're going to keep kind of going back and forth and trying to find new ways to beat this stuff. And 
and to become more, you know, better hitters and, and, and more efficient hitters at the same time, try and get more house. And uh, it, so it's pretty interesting to watch. And I think it's going to continue to be interesting. And I think the, the sooner we can stop blaming the shift for some of this stuff and guys going out and doing their business, I think you're going to see a lot of success. And it's it, it's been pretty fun to watch. Yeah, I, I love it. And I don't mean to make a liar out of myself. I said that was the last baseball question, but baseball is talking about should we do away with the shift? It sounds like you would like to see it stick around and then not outlaw it. Is that right? You know, I, 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 I don't know. I have, I have, sure. I've, I've I battled with forth. this. I've answered this question to friends and family so many times. Okay. And, I, and I really don't know. Uh, it, it's really hard to say as long as you have eight guys in the field to play and a catcher out of the field to play, you're not really breaking any rules. Right. Um, you know, so now we're starting to change the rules of the game, which I don't love. Right. Um, you know, the, you know, it, it's nothing that says you can't have the left fielder in right center. Mm-hmm. Nothing to say the second baseman can't be in left center. Right. But, um, at the same time, yeah, it is tough for somebody you know to watch because you watch guys who are. I, I think a Jackie Bradley Jr. is a good example where you see the shift has really hurt him over the last two years. Um, now I've known Jackie for a long time with the Red Sox, and he's an unbelievable baseball player and a great hitter, great offensive threat. And you've seen his average really take a beating because the guy's just pounding the ball hard into the shift. Um, and I know just you watch him make; he's going to adapt and he's going to be successful, but. Yeah, it's really changed the game, and part of that is, you know, as an old-school guy and kind of a traditionalist, I don't love that, but at the same time, you know, it's not breaking any rules, so let's kind of, you know, let it play out and see how everyone can can adapt to it. Yeah, yeah, I think that's well said. I think that's really well said. Uh, Darren, a lot of Twins fans listen to this podcast. Of course, remember your time with the team. They want to know, what are you up to these days? Well, uh, I uh, I still live here. Still live. I live. We live. Uh, me and my wife and my daughter, and I have a son coming in April. Oh, we live congrats. in St. Louis Park, and we've stayed here um, ever since I met her, my wife, in 2013. Oh. And uh, we uh, we had our own little woodworking company, custom furniture, for a while, which was really fun. And and as uh, we kind of transition, we're transitioning some new things as a family with a. Uh, edition of our little our little boy coming in a couple months so yeah a lot of fun stuff and exciting stuff for, for our family here fantastic darren congratulations on on the your second kid coming in april thank you that's thank you that's amazing hey thank you so much for the time today too darren it was great catching up with you and uh thanks for coming on the touch them all podcast oh thank you for having me Derek. cheers